Well, it's that time of year again. People are rushing home. Stores are closing up shop for the year, and the holidays are just around the corner. It's starting to get cold outside, and the weatherman said there's a slight chance of snow this evening. Night like this reminds me of the night Fred and Tom recorded the Rankin Bass Holiday episode of Stay of the Franchise. Oh, you haven't heard about the night Fred and Tom recorded the Rankin Bass Holiday episode of Stay of the Franchise? Oh, you haven't heard of Stay of the Franchise with Tom and Fred? Well, let me tell you, it started out on a winter's night just like this. Welcome to State of the Franchise, the podcast that talks about franchises of all shapes, sizes, backgrounds, genres, and types. I am one of your hosts, Tom Stadler, here as always with the snow miser himself, <laughs> Mr. Fred Dakin. I like that because um, I like the snow miser better, but I, I'm pretty aware that I look more like heat miser. But Snow Miser is definitely my guy, so that made me feel better that you called me Snow Miser. Tom, I'm happy to be here for the holiday episode. Yeah, I mean, and happy holidays to all our listeners, to any holidays you may be celebrating out there this time of year. Obviously, New Year's is right around the corner at this time of recording. But uh, yeah, Fred, I think it's definitely a chill in the air. And so Snow Miser felt very apropos, if you will. (laughs) I appreciate it. Yeah, which and I think is pretty apropos for this topic this week, which is, of course, the movies of Rankin-Bass Studios. Or, I'm sorry, the, the official title is Rankin-Bass Animated Entertainment, if we are getting <laughs> official. LLC. <laughs> yeah. LLC. Hmm. And that, that sound you heard was from our guest, <laughs> who we are very excited to have join us this week. A Rankin-Bass expert, if you will. Miss Mia Serafina. Mia, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I, I don't know if I call myself an expert, but I will call myself a former child who viewed a lot of these movies. <laughs> yeah. Very fair. Very fair. Well, either way, you are somebody who obviously is is quite familiar with the projects. And I think a lot of people out there could probably fall into a similar camp, at least to some degree, as I think whether you were born in 1950 or even in 2010, you're probably getting exposed to some of these specials that Rankin Bass has put out over the years. I think a lot of them are, they become part of family traditions. I I don't know that I've met a person who hasn't seen at least one Rankin-Bass special. Yeah. And for those who are not familiar, uh, some popular examples of their movies would be the animated special Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. That's like the stop animation special. Frosty the Snowman. uh, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, among many others. And perhaps everybody has their own special that maybe they glom on to. I don't know how you guys feel about that. 
Oh, I think that's how it is. Like, and uh, even with this, it was funny. We were going to do this uh, topic last year, potentially. And we were trying to think of topics. And it was just pretty great that Mia was like, why don't we do Rankin Bass? And I was like, hell yes, because I grew up on these. And I definitely have one that's super special to me, even though I love all the ones that I grew up with. I, I definitely pride myself on knowing a couple of Rankin Bass deep cuts that I'm really excited to to talk about today. Perhaps some of the lesser known, uh, lesser less successful specials. <laughs> when you look down the list, you can definitely see you're like, what is this? Like, what is what is that? <laughs> but I think that's a good segue to even just kind of talk about yeah, where where do you first think you were exposed to Rankin Bass when you were younger, Mia? Yeah, I. Uh, I was the child of uh, former punk rockers, uh, one of which uh, my father was like a comic artist. So right off the bat, my parents weren't necessarily strict, but were very specific about uh, the type of media that I watched when I was younger. It had to have like great animation. They had to, you know, it had to have all these, uh, had to have artistry behind it. So Rankin and Bass was like an easy one that I think along with like Ray Harryhausen movies were like kind of my staple stop motion introductions. I think Mm -hmm. the year without a Santa Claus was one of the first holiday ones that I saw, but the one that was honestly like played regularly in our house was the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings animated uh, production that they did those and last unicorn. Those were, the very frequent ones, I would say. Interesting. So even before, like, yeah, any of those, uh, the three that I mentioned to kind of kick off the show, it's like, you didn't even get to see those three out the gate. You're going right for the, I wouldn't even say those are lower tier because I think the people who are fans and Fred, I know specifically, you're going to probably want to talk about it too, but like Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit and Return of the King are definitely some that I think a lot of people have love for now. Oh, yeah, I definitely love those for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do love the Bakshi a little bit more for the animated Lord of the Rings, but I do really love the Rankin Bass. The Ralph Bakshi, they they snuck up. They snuck, that one sneaks up on you. You think it's going to be Rankin and Bass, and then it's a little <laughs> too scary. That was... mm, it's definitely the darker <laughs> version. That's probably yeah. why I like it. <laughs> it certainly seems so when you look at, like, stills from the movie even if you've never seen it. Well, it's so weird that they like made it like a makeshift trilogy where you have the Hobbit, Rankin Bass, and then Ralph Bakshi did the Fellowship of the Ring and Two Towers kind of as one movie called Fellowship of the Ring. And then Rankin Bass was like picked up the baton and did Return of the King. And it just like all three are very different. It's just very weird, but I love it. Yeah. I definitely want to talk a little more about those movies as we start getting into the topic itself. But is is that where you kind of started, Fred? Or were you more on like the, the holiday special end of things when you first started watching it? I definitely was more on the holiday end of things. I had VHSs of Rudolph and A Year Without a Santa Claus and uh, Frosty the Snowman. I had just like VHS te- tapes with these on there. And I remember it was those and then there was like an animated Rudolph special that I think predates the Rankin Bass special that was kind of, I don't know, like kind of that old school, like 
maybe Disney Animation. I don't know. Maybe Warner Brothers. But uh, it's those were the ones that were in heavy rotation. Year with Santa Claus, the two Rudolphs, and that. Oh, and I had a year. Uh, no, the last unicorn on VHS. That was a big one for me too. Oh, nice. Yeah, I don't know much about that. Like not stop animation rudolph i know which one you're talking about but like i i don't know any history of it i don't think it was involved with anything rankin bass did so it's probably mid <laughs> 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 but yeah i mean i totally feel you there fred because i think a lot of these specials were ones that we had on vhs and even a step further they were like recorded off the tv so they were like on blank tapes that <laughs> i would just put on and it was like this is the holiday special tape it would go from rudolph to frosty to probably like charlie brown christmas and whatever what? else there was yeah mm -hmm. which that's that's another podcast talking about charlie brown christmas but <laughs> but yeah i think what what i'm curious though you guys i mean we've obviously all been exposed from a young age but why do you think these specials and just the the whole library that Rankin Bass has produced has persevered over this time? I think a big part of that is stop motion animation uh, or Animagic as they coined it. Yes. <laughs> it's so impressive because it's so time intensive and it doesn't just require you to be a good filmmaker. It requires you to like build these little puppets with little costumes and, you know, like be an artist and create these worlds. And I just, I think that's why it's so like charming and enchanting because they were able to create these beautiful worlds, but they had to pull from a lot of different skill sets and mediums. At least that's kind of what draws me to it. Just the time intensiveness of it. Yeah. I think that's a fair assessment too, because certainly they don't look like anything else that you've seen. I can exactly for that example, Charlie Brown Christmas, right? It's sort of that, that Charles Schultz animation that, doesn't really look like a lot of like Disney movies of the time, but it does look like a lot of other TV specials of the time. Like some of the older, like, I don't even know what if the, what is that really bad comic called family circus? <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, it's like all, all these like comic strips had like their own movies and they're all kind of these like low grade things. But then when you see something, even like frosty, that kind of pops, right? Like it just looks different. Yeah, and I would say with the stop-motion Rankin-Bass movies, what's so great about them, and I was watching the Animagic documentary that they made. It was mostly just uh, current-day animators like Henry Selick and stop-motion people talking about the influence of the Animagic uh, stop-motion. And the thing that I think people like about it is you see animation, you see uh, computer generation, it looks like looks real, but it, you know it's fake, it's drawn. With these puppets, they were, like, detailed in little things that you could, like, reach out and touch, you know? Like, you could pick up yeah. these things. That's what it looked like. So it made it, like, very real-looking, even if the movement was a little sketchy at times, even though there was, like, some weird, uh, you know, eccentric things to the way they talked and moved. There was still something real because it looked like actual cloth and hair and fabric. Yeah. Or as my fiance likes to say, they have dead eyes. <laughs> it is the one thing that like when you look at them, like they kind of blink very like mechanically. So it is sort of like takes you out of it sometimes. But yeah, I think the way they move and yeah, the what they look and feel, it just definitely 
has a a very unique touch even opposed to like where some other stop animation looks it doesn't look anything like the nightmare before christmas right mm-hmm. no no yeah and i think that's part of what's so charming about it is it oh it feels well a lot of like technical skill went into making them mm-hmm. it does feel like it feels like almost watching like toys come to life like it feels like handmade in a lot of ways but not in like uh like a bad way just there's something really appealing about that i think yeah almost more like a kid's puppet show in a way and it's funny that you even kind of pick up on that too because i think that's kind of what maybe makes them so appealing to kids is that they are kind of like interacting even with kids in these movies right like when fred astaire is telling the story of santa claus is coming to town we even see him like be like and and like that's how he got his beard and like you hear some little girl like oh that's how he got his whiskers (laughs) (laughs) well that's the other thing it's stories that a lot of kids are familiar with because a lot of the uh like especially for the musical ones they're based off of songs like rudolph the red-nosed reindeer which most kids know all the lyrics to so they know the story and following the special is probably nice because they're connecting the dots of the plot. Same with Frosty the Snowman, where I guess Frosty the Snowman, what's nice is like, here's a little more of the story that you didn't know. You know, there's a creepy magician, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. a cool rabbit, you know, or, you know, no one talks about the rabbit in the song. They're just long stop animation music videos. It's like thriller before thriller. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all the lore. And I also love they'll have just like this is they said it was a big thing in animation to have an entertainer of the time come out and like kind of be the star of each of these uh, and at least for the holiday ones. This is how Rudolph what his upbringing was like. His parents were supportive, but not that supportive. (laughs) They they tried to do that with the Easter bunnies coming to town, Mm -hmm. but there was never really an Easter song to go off of. So it's like, and that's how they got Easter clothes. Like, it's like they're trying to give origins to these traditions that I'm like, huh? Easter clothes. Right. Or like jelly beans. It's like, oh, okay. I sure. <laughs> that's how jelly beans were created. Yeah. It's not like either of these movies with like Santa Claus or Frosty are like, and that's how gingerbread became a tradition. Like, <laughs> so actually, that's a good segue, I think, to get into a little bit of the history here. Talk about the the tradition that has be become from Rankin Bass getting established. So the company was founded in New York City by Arthur Rankin Jr. and Jules Bass on September 14th, 1960. Uh, the company was originally called Videocraft International and the majority of their work as Mia so well illuminated before uh, involved a, uh, this animagic stop motion production, which were for the most part made in Tokyo, Japan. And throughout the 1960s, the animagic productions were headed by Japanese stop motion animators, uh, Tadahito Mochinaga at his studio MOM production. Uh, so their traditional animation output was mainly done by several different animation studios. And some may sound familiar to a few of our audience members, you have Toei Anima- Animation, which was uh, the studio that did a number of anime productions, including our first episode, Fred, Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> uh, 
Aiken, which was formerly known as TCJ, which is short for Television Corporation of Japan, Mushi Production, and Topcraft, which is an animation studio we'll be talking a bit about later on, because they Topcraft might not be a, a household name, but what they became might be. So Mori Laws was uh, served as the musical director for most of the animated films and television programs. So he was a common collaborator. Uh, same with Romeo Muller. Uh, that was a consistent contributor serving as the screenwriter for many of the best known productions they had, which included Rudolph, the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Little Drummer Boy, Frosty. And uh, one of their first projects, though, that came under the video craft title is The New Adventures of Pinocchio. So that debuted in 1960 as a TV series. And it was around this time that Videocraft finally changed their name officially to Rankin Bass Productions. Are you guys familiar with this New Adventures of Pinocchio show? I've heard of it, yes. Have I been able to successfully track it down? No. <laughs> Is this just a relic of time now? Lost. I, I keep getting it confused with the Adventures of Mark Twain. Yes. Like stop animation thing yes. that will come around virally every once in a while where everyone's like, look at this nightmare fuel. <laughs> and I'm assuming the Pinocchio thing is the same. <laughs> it's funny because I feel like there was another like stop motion Pinocchio. Or am I thinking of that Jonathan Taylor Thomas movie where it's like the puppet was like borderline CGI? I don't know. Do you guys remember that one? <laughs> I think that one's pretty practical, though. Um, I'm a pretty big fan of that uh, JTT <laughs> Pinocchio. All right. It was all practical effects. Am I totally just like gaslighting myself into thinking it was something different? It looked like they had an actual puppet on that one. Oh, okay. Maybe I'm thinking of the, the GDT one, Guillermo del Toro's one from last year. Uh, that was very much stop motion. Yeah, it was all stop motion. Ciao, yeah. Papa. Ugh. So in 1964, then, the company produced a special for NBC. It was called Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, based on a story from 1939 written by Robert L. May, but also the song as well that became popular. Well, me and Rudolph go way back. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, that was definitely one I had on a recorded VHS, like that just like had rudolph written on the side of it and i think it probably still had commercials in it but i think this is the one i probably watched the most around the holidays oh really oh yeah it's it's definitely definitely a classic this maybe this is a dream i had but at one point on the internet wasn't there a meme going around about yukon cornelius being a hottie or am i <laughs> <laughs> well he has kind of like a nick offerman vibe. <laughs> he can carry things like yeah mm -hmm. yeah i i think i recall this but it still sounds really disturbing to me to think of it like that <laughs> do you guys remember being afraid during this production of rudolph by the yeti monster Yes. I be believe his title, Fred, is The Bumble. Yes, because Bumble's bounce. I should have I realized <laughs> that. But I remember being terrified of The Bumble in certain scenes. I remember that being pretty effective yeah. for me. He's definitely, it's just sort of a, 
a terrifying creature. I think in a similar way, we'll kind of talk about um, the winter warlock in Santa Claus is coming to town. There's always kind of this like white as a ghost type creature that's hiding in like the snowy wilderness. That's like always after the the protagonist. But yeah, I definitely remember being a little spooked by the bumble as a kid. Mm-hmm. And the rest of it, I think is so the rest of the cartoon is so cute. And then it's just, it's one <laughs> Rankin and Bass just knows how to like instill fear. Like yes. in a very, <laughs> very specific kind of way. Yeah. It's an interesting blend because i even think like isn't it the uh the island of lost toys it's sort of a a sad and sort of dark concept of like here's this place where all these rejects live right <laughs> yeah it's like a movie about outcasts yeah yeah which is very much yeah i think the heart of the story which i mean you get that a little bit in the song i think somebody was asked you to like okay, turn this song, this, like, children's song into a a motion picture. Like, what would the story be? It's like, well, yeah, it's a story about the emotions and the feeling of being, you know, not accepted in society and what do you do? And it's like, I don't know. It never quite feels even well, like, you know, Rudolph got his appreciation, but did he have, did everyone really get their comeuppance for never really believing in him or, like, accepting him for who he was? I think the reindeer should have been punished. <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's harsh but i think the the more the, where it stands now the message of rudolph is you can be a freak in your community but only if you're helpful yeah <laughs> yeah like you will be accepted but only if you can like contribute to capitalism and i i don't i don't know if i'm on board with that i feel like the reindeer should have like i don't know maybe I don't know. I, I I'm not good at thinking of Rankin and Bass like punishments, but I feel like it <laughs> should have been on that. They should have had to to draw the the sleigh back like through all the fog or whatever. Like if he, Santa yeah. doesn't quite land near the North Pole, like y'all go and yeah. fetch that for me, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you can't fly; you have to walk. Like just something. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but I do think it touches on something though too, even with like Herbie, right? Like it's like here is this this elf who just wants to be a dentist, which is actually a very like important con- contributor to society. But they're like, well, no, 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 you gotta be a toy maker. Like that's your legacy. <laughs> that's who you need to be. Herbie's boss is a real like improv character to me (laughs) just like the way he yells and just like comes in the room like it's like someone going big really well just like herbie doesn't want to make toys (laughs) (laughs) so true so true he's like the yeah the quintessential like uh like labor boss of like every factory in america even today Yeah, I mean, it's it's a classic story. I think, you know, when this is one of their first big hits or the first, like, touchstone that they've really put into production, it's hard to ignore its impact. And, like, I think it served as the model for a, so many things going forward. But, yeah, one of the things we, we haven't even really talked about with that yet is the songs in the, the movie that aren't just Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, right? It's, like, there, there's so many, like, silver and gold. My my mom still sings that today. Mm-hmm. That's a, a ton of bangers in Rudolph. Mm-hmm. After mm-hmm. 
just an yeah, I like Herbie's movie. song a lot. So, Why am I such a nip? Went. We're a couple <laughs> of mess fats. <laughs> and, and I always feel with these holiday specials, they're like, what's Santa's bit going to be with this one? And, and Rudolph is like the, I'm not hungry. I don't want to eat. <laughs> Just eat, like, he's skinny and eat, Papa, eat. <laughs> and then like, like later, like, uh, uh, Santa Claus is coming to town, or uh, you're without Santa Claus. Is he just like got seasonal depression or something? He's just like, no one likes Christmas anymore. <laughs> or I guess he's more of the, I'm much too tired for Christmas this year. <laughs> That's a decent Mickey Rooney. <laughs> it's like the, the 50 Shades of Santa. <laughs> I feel like in a lot of holiday media, Santa is depicted as like, having his shit together, having all the answers. But yeah, in Rankin and Bess, it's just like he's going on his own journey uh, in conjunction <laughs> with the protagonist. And that's, I didn't even notice that before, but that's a fun observation. No, yeah, he's definitely going through it, right? Like he's just always, always has something happening with him. <laughs> uh, which I think we see a little bit in one of their next big movies, which was in the following um well, actually, I should say there is something between that. Uh, I was going to say Frosty the Snowman because we see Santa, who's kind of I almost forgot he was in that movie. I was like, wait, what? Santa's in this? I don't remember that. But uh, in 1968, one of Rankin Bass next uh, big movies, they had The Little Drummer Boy, uh, which was narrated by Greer Garson, who was a British American actress. And it's based on the traditional song. Um, and it also starred actor Jose Ferrer as the voice of Ben Haramud. And if Jose Ferrer sounds like a name that maybe you, you aren't familiar with his roles, you might be familiar with his family. His uh, wife was Rosemary Clooney, uh, which would make his nephew George Clooney. And his son was Fred, your guy, Miguel Ferrer. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. <laughs> yeah. Have you guys seen The Little Drummer Boy? Yeah, I think, yeah. and this might sound a little harsh, but you know, when you're a little kid and you can choose between like, I'm Mr. He, Miser, and like all the goofy characters, and then you go to Little Drummer Boy and it's just like, oh, he told me, oh, and it's just like, <laughs> like the energy just like, that's the special that like my parents would really enjoy. Yeah. And I would like sit there, like this little kid can really walk. Like I, <laughs> it's yeah. the like, stranding. It, yeah, yeah. It, like compared to the other ones, it was just like there's no Santa. Like it just didn't have the the pizzazz, but it's beautiful. And as an adult, I can appreciate it now. For sure, it's definitely the most putting the Christ in Christmas, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I think the story is nice, but I threw it on because I went through, I watched a lot of these in preparation and this one's like really darkly lit. There's a lot of like characters with scary faces uh, and like distorted faces. Like it, it's going like almost surrealist in some parts and this, and it kind of, this one gave me the heebie-jeebies a little bit on rewatch. Like, I don't know. I, there was something dark about it, but I liked it. <laughs> It's one I haven't revisited in 
a long time and I don't even know if I've ever watched the entire thing the whole way through because I think you you kind of hit on it. It's like as a kid, it's not super exciting. It's not super light or, you know, fun or well lit. It's just it's more artistic, which if you are an adult now and you watch it, you'll probably be like, oh, yeah, you know what? There's a lot of these different tones and it kind of almost feels like a nativity scene come to life. But yeah, I mean, certainly from people's memories, I I couldn't even tell you without having watched it again what the what the story is all about, other than it's just he's walking to find baby Jesus, right? Like then he's gonna play a drum solo in a in a manger. Yes. <laughs> Which you know what? That's that's about the most rock and roll thing you could do. And <laughs> I feel like Rankin Bass did not lean into that. So the year after that so we're now in 1969 uh we had a a story sing and narrated by mr jimmy durante which was called frosty the snowman with uh, jackie vernon fro- voicing the character of frosty that was based on the song of the same name as many of these movies are uh it was produced by mushi productions which was an animated studio founded in 1961 um, by a manga artist named osamu tezuka who was a creator of a few popular uh, properties. I don't know if you guys ever heard of Astro Boy or Kimba the White Lion. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so he handled the animation for the special with supervision by Yusaku Steve Nakagawa, which is a layout artist that uh, worked for Hanna-Barbera back in L.A. So they were the ones who kind of helped put this thing together. And it was like the first really big, like, true animation special and i think when you hear that it has like manga and anime tie-ins you can sort of see it when you watch it now i would i would definitely agree with that yeah with that one the thing i remember most as a kid is just like why are none of these children wearing like snow pants (laughs) (laughs) that was like my takeaway as a child like it was so distracting i'm like they're all just out there, like, in shorts, hanging out with a stranger. I just... Even if he's a snowman, yeah. He's a strange even man. He's a snowman. Like, that one, that one always kind of... I don't know. Just, that was my takeaway as a child. It is a strange story, for sure. I would agree with that. And I think you hit on the thing with snow pants. Because the one thing you're like... Because Karen gets in, like, the the refrigerated car with Frosty at the end and she's shivering. It's like, well, yeah, you don't have any pants on. Why are you just like wearing nothing underneath your dress? (laughs) But that was kids back then, I guess. Yeah. Fred, you said Frosty was one of your, your big ones that you watched when you were younger. Oh yeah. For all these, uh, I was going to say this before, uh, just being someone who wanted to be like the noisy kid and wanted a lot of attention. I would definitely just try to impersonate like all these characters. And I love doing Jimmy Durante, who I didn't know who he was. He was just the guy from the cartoon. But, you know, my grandparents, like that was their guy. So they're like, oh, oh, you got to do your Frosty the Snowman guy. And I would just do this like Frosty the Snowman. <laughs> and, like, and I'd be like five years old. And they're like, we love it. We love it. So, like, that's how I got a lot of attention was, you know, from just pretending to be that guy. or And I, the magician always stuck with me as, like, a great creep bad guy. 
Like, you just want to punch him in the face the whole time. <laughs> He's a lot more mustache twirling than I think I ever remembered. I was like, what? what is with this guy why is he and he's just so like money hungry and he's like i need that hat <laughs> busy 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 <laughs> i think that i think that's another reason why these specials are really appealing to us as improvisers they really set a precedent for characters Yes. Like my sister and I would just do like dueling Rudolphs with each other, like who comes out the most stuffy nose, just like back and forth. I think that, yeah, it's just a lot of fun, a lot of fun characters to find in these. Yeah, there is, and it's just, I think we've we've done them all so far. Like, it's, there's such easily imitatable voices that you just like almost can't resist doing it. Like doing Frosty, this, not my best version of that one. Happy birthday! <laughs> See, you guys got it way better than I do with this one, but um, it's a, it's definitely, I don't know, it's memorable because it's bright, it's fun, even though the fun is kind of ridiculous. It's sort of like sad like this magician essentially like murders frosty <laughs> it takes santa's magic to resurrect him in like the 11th hour here Ugh, it's just um, it, it is a little grim santa's got a little stank with him though too he's definitely like like if you don't give that hat you're not getting any presents sir <laughs> Again, like a Santa with a little a little something extra. Yeah. Sassy yeah. Santa is the yes. the theme of this movie. <laughs> it's almost like they're their own like Spice Girl like names. Like you got Sassy Santa, you've got seasonal depression Santa. Sickly Santa. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Young Santa. Young Santa. That's what I was trying to think. I'm like, what is Mickey Rooney's? He's just the origin of <laughs> I'll call you Topper. Well, he does two turns as Santa, right? He's young Santa and then he's like the I'm tired Santa as yeah. well, right? He's all versions of Mickey Rooney in real life too. Like it's just the, <laughs> like you see him in like these old things maybe doing some very uh, inappropriate <laughs> characters in like Breakfast at Tiffany's. But then you get like the old one was in like Night at the Museum. He's like a hundred years old body slamming people. <laughs> I don't know. That's that's that Santa. That's that Santa's energy or what it should be all along. Very close to the frosty Santa. <laughs> Which brings us to the next Christmas special. So in 1970, they came out with Santa Claus is Coming to Town, uh, which was narrated by Fred Astaire and uh starred Mickey Rooney, as we talked about, as Santa Claus himself telling the origin story of Santa. And this one for me, I, get, I would say, guys, is probably like my like childhood one that I remember the most. Like, even though I watched a lot of Rudolph, like that's like my parents' favorite and uh, like a lot of Frosty. But I think Santa Claus is coming to town for whatever reason. I just this one stuck on me. How do you guys feel about it? I I always think of this one as like hot Santa. Like, <laughs> I didn't want to say it. I'm glad I'll someone say, did. This is the hot Santa special. Like <laughs> my, that's what I order at Denny's every time. The hot Santa special. <laughs> the hot Santa special. 
special. <laughs> if it were made today, it'd be like Chris Hemsworth is. <laughs> <laughs> but it's definitely it's so weird. Like I, I guess revisiting this movie recently, I'm like, what do I actually remember about it? I remember the songs. I remember a lot of the characters, and for whatever reason, I, I really like the, the first Toy Maker to the King song. It's just kind of catchy, but. I don't know. They're just, it's like when Burgermeister Meisterburger, which is the greatest fucking character in history. <laughs> <laughs> when, when he starts singing, I just like, it cracks me up. It's like, there'll be no more time makers to the king. <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, why is this guy singing a song? Like, he can barely get this accent down. <laughs> I guess, yeah, we have Hot Santa in this, and then we have. The weird little, like, family members of Chris Kringle, the Dingle and Fringle or whatever their all names are. If, if I'm not mistaken, isn't this the one where he meets Merry Christmas? Or am I thinking, because I know, yeah, Mrs. Claus. Isn't that her name Merry Christmas, or is it Christmas Carol? Or is it, I know it's like a, she's got th- one of those names. I think Fred's not, I think it's Jack Frost, right? Is Jack Frost the one? No, like in a in a Santa Claus is coming to town. That's when he meets Mrs. Claus, but she has like a like a Christmas pun name. Mm. All right, I'll look it up here. Give me give me one sec. And I should have brought my <laughs> I should have reviewed this ahead of time. Oh, good. Miss Jessica, that's like her name, yeah. And Miss she... Jessica, <laughs> I was completely off the mark. <laughs> but you're right. There is a movie, and it might be another Rankin Bass, so I might be off here. That there's a character named like Merry Christmas or something like that. Yeah, yeah, that's the lore. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna look it up. I mean, that's definitely a character in uh, was it The World Is Not Enough? Isn't um, like that's Christmas Jones. That's it. Yeah. Which is a completely silly name. Like, why? <laughs> Nobody would name their daughter Christmas. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but then you can have the Christmas comes once a year or twice a year joke, and it, it you know it's box office. Box office. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Fred, you, you, you're so sly. <laughs> I'm 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 looking up the name Merry Christmas just because I know I'm not gonna be able to get over this until <laughs> maybe her name was something like December twenty fourth or something. Like yeah, that. there is a movie called Merry Christmas, but yeah, I don't know. There was also like a Jodie Foster produced movie. I don't know if you guys remember this one. It's called Olive the Other Reindeer. Like they actually character. I remember. Yeah, that. they characterize like the words like all of but it's olive like an olive oil <laughs> I love that. isn't it a dog uh i thought no i think it's another reindeer olive the other reindeer but i thought he was other like he's other because he's a dog not a reindeer and he was like pretending to be a oh reindeer. i think you might be right that's lovely <laughs> that's like a max from grinch kind of scenario where he's, you get the horn and yeah. Right in. Looks like it was voiced by Drew Barrymore, so he probably uh, crossed mm-hmm. the picket line when everybody else was trying to <laughs> <laughs> strike on Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> so 
Sorry, had to get that one in there. I made a really extended Drew Barrymore strike joke like an episode or two ago that no one caught, <laughs> and it just kind of played to dead air. <laughs> so I'm happy you got one in. <laughs> Fred, I, I was just subtly inspired by you. That's that's all it was. Um, so after uh, Santa Claus is Coming to Town came out, they had a string of other classics that continued with their TV specials. We had Here Comes Peter Cottontail in 1971, which was narrated by Danny Kay and starred Casey Kasem, which I don't think I've ever seen that one. Uh, I'm just going to rattle off a few. And then if you guys want to jump in and talk about a couple of these, please do. But uh, then after that, they had The Year Without a Santa Claus in 1974. That was narrated by Shirley Booth and brought back Mr. Mickey Rooney. Uh, then Jack Frost came out in 1979, which was narrated by Buddy Hackett and starred Robert Morse, who a lot of people remember from Mad Men as uh, Burt Cooper. And uh, then they had like a bunch of other random sequels to Rudolph and Frosty, which I, I caught a few and <laughs> I'd love to hear some of your guys' thoughts on, on some of those because diminishing returns, I think, but open to other thoughts. I I'm very familiar with Rudolph's shiny new year. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like, yeah, it's within the same vein. And I, I looked this up right before, right before jumping in. And there was like Rudolph three Island of misfit toys or something like that. And what? it was after it was like a year after Rankin and Bassett shut down and it was done with like very poor CGI. And I couldn't remember again, if it was something that I dreamed or if it was real, and it was real. It's what it, it looks, looks awful. It looks absolutely awful. And it yeah. was in yeah, like the year after the year after Rankin and Bass like shut down, shut down. This thing yep. came out. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it's like two thousand one for sure. Yeah. Distributed by Good Times Entertainment, a totally real production company. <laughs> <laughs> ridiculous but yeah that doesn't look very good but i know you mentioned uh the year without a santa claus as one that you definitely recalled very thoroughly what were your thoughts on that movie that movie was definitely like the holiday staple like i definitely watched frosty and rudolph every year but a year without a santa claus i think just had a lot of really fun characters you got freeze miser and heat miser my sister and i we used to prank each other we had like this doll scooter and we'd put a doll on it and we would just roll it into empty rooms and sing i could be santa claus like from when (laughs) mrs was having her big musical number and we would just like you know roll it in like if we had like a parent in the kitchen and be like it was like my favorite prank. Yeah. So, the, yeah. Low key, the music in the year without a Santa Claus might be the second best after Rudolph. I don't know that maybe that's a hot take and we can, we can just get into it. You guys, but I don't know. The songs. I, are yeah. If we're, if we're talking like all Rankin and Bass, uh, I gotta stick with like the last unicorn is favorite Rankin and Bass music. Oh, so we shit. can, my hot take but we can get we can get there in a little bit but yeah the year the year without a santa claus though definitely has a lot of bangers a lot of 
A lot of iconic tunes. <laughs> Tom. Tom. We can save it till we get there, but I just want to know, Tom, do you know who does the music for The Last Unicorn? I do not. Can I take a guess, though? Because I might yes. have sure. I might have a guess on who did it. I just need to look up, make sure I got it. Is it Hans Zimmer? Yeah. That's not how that works. You can't look it up. That's not. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I didn't. I didn't look it up. Is it Hans Zimmer though? No, I'm talking. It's, it's, it's not Hans Zimmer. No, it's America. The the band. Oh what? Which I feel it's like so is so good. your shit. That is my shit. I do love my dad rock. <laughs> it's such a such a dad rock soundtrack. That's oh, awesome. It's, it's so good, and it's I, it's unlike. Yeah, it just. That so yeah my my soundtrack pick is definitely Last Unicorn. All right, fair enough. Yeah, that's uh that's that's uh, I think a defensible take, but I have to make an admission, you guys. I know we haven't quite gotten to this point yet. I've actually never seen The Last Unicorn. Oh, oh you got some so homework I, tonight, buddy. I guess so, <laughs> but it it's a good time. It's a really good time. I'm very intrigued by it. I think especially after just seeing and reading a lot about it now, I think I'm I'm very curious. And the voice cast really uh really captured it's got one of my favorite guys in there, man. <laughs> <laughs> I love Jeff Bridges. He's so good. Oh, you're talking about Jeff um, Bridges? What's it? You were talking oh. about Jeff Bridges? Yeah. Oh okay. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, I'm talking about Jeff Bridges. <laughs> <laughs> Also got uh, brother Theodore, which you know that guy's a real character too. Not as not as well known as Jeff Bridges, but mm-hmm. just <laughs> it's well, the last unicorn. I think if I and I might not have this completely right. I think it's the only Rankin and Bass movie that has full nudity. Whoa! Yeah. Man, now we're cooking. You're right. That is a homework assignment I want to. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 it's full nudity it's mia Farrow. it's jeff bridges it's brother theodore it's just a wacky time that sounds pretty cool it's i gotta creepy. i feel like it's it's a it's creepy yeah oh yeah oh yeah interesting i'm like hoping this is like rankin bass like black cauldron yes it, exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah oh wow okay i just took this a shot in the dark with that Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Any other thoughts though before we get we start diving into like some of their non-holiday specials? Any other thoughts on some of these holiday specials? Like, I don't. I mean, I've seen like Jack Frost. I, I it's not memorable to me at all. Like, <laughs> or uh, I mean, I feel like the Year Without a Santa Claus is probably the one most people are familiar with, right? Mm-hmm. I love Jingle and Jangle from Year Without a Santa Claus. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. The one guy was Those giving me real Noel Fielding vibes this time. <laughs> oh man, I don't know. It's just I, for me. Even my first exposure to that was through Batman and Robin when uh, Arnold is making all of them watch the, the <laughs> Snow Miser song. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's fun. I was tra- double checking Jack Frost though to see if maybe that was the one you were thinking of Mia that had the the goofy um 
woman's name in it, but it doesn't look like it. There is a woman named Holly. This might be Holly Jolly or something. <laughs> yeah, Holly. Uh, yeah, she broke Jack Frost's heart. Mm-hmm. That one. That's another one. Well, with the real hot cartoon character of Jack Frost. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I didn't come here to rank hot. Breaking and best characters, but apparently that's what I'm doing now. <laughs> well, uh, don't forget about your old pal Mickey when you get to those rankings. <laughs> it goes Yukon Cornelius. It goes Jack Frost. <laughs> Young get, Santa. Yeah. I was getting borderline Ric Flair with that impression. <laughs> don't forget about your old pal Mickey. <laughs> <laughs> so... In addition to these holiday TV specials, Rankin Bass would also make feature films, which included Willie McBean and his Magic Machine in 1965, The Wacky World of Mother Goose in 1967, and Mad Monster Party? Question mark. Woo! Also in 1967, and starred Boris Karloff. It is fabulous. Uh, if we end up ranking songs today, uh, I will bring up Mad Monster Party again. But it's like... Does Boris Karloff ex- sing? Does Boris Karloff... <sighs> I'm trying to remember if he has a song. I thought you were going to be like, does Boris Karloff sing? Is water wet? <laughs> <laughs> that would have been an ultimate answer. <laughs> it's... It's exactly what you would imagine a uh, Rankin and Bass and a Magic Halloween special to be. It, whatever, whatever. When I say Anna Magic Halloween, whatever comes to mind, that's that's pretty much what it is. So, is this like their version of like if they tried to make the Monster Mash like a full length movie? Yeah, but if I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure if the Monster Mash is even played in there. It's all like original spooky little songs phyllis diller uh plays the bride of frankenstein and she's got a whole jazzy number in there that is just a delight right i think i've got next year's halloween episode lined up for us (laughs) i cannot recommend it highly enough it is so bonkers like it's all of your favorite monsters all uh coming in for a big party at a spooky mansion you got Dracula, you got the mummy, you got the werewolf. Like it's, it is so goofy. And the songs are so, they're, they're, it's a different kind of holiday movie. Like, <laughs> you know, where the Rankin and Bass stuff is very like, dun, 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 dun. like it's, it's real like sultry and yeah, just very original and weird and, yeah, I can't recommend it highly enough. Okay, definitely need to add this. This is also going on the homework homework list to take home here. <laughs> but more more popular than a couple of these movies, even though Mia has a lot of love for <laughs> Mad Monster Party here, <laughs> is um, Rankin Bass started hiring a Japanese animation studio, Topcraft, which was founded by a former Toei animation producer, Toru Hara, in 1971, to help animate some of their own hand-drawn films, including uh, The Last Unicorn, which we had mentioned before, The Hobbit, and Return of the King. 
So I think this is a good opportunity to start diving into those and talk a little about the, I mean, was Return of the King was not the one that inspired Peter Jackson, right? Like that wasn't the one where he like lifted scenes out. That was the other one. That's more the Ralph Bakshi stuff that he takes stuff from. The Got Rank- it. I'm sure he watched Rankin Bass and lifted some things, but you can watch side by side comparisons of like the Bakshi stuff in the Lord of the Rings movies. And he like legit lifted shots from it. That is wild. No, it's Very not wild, crazy. Tom. You just have to watch it. Then you'll understand. <laughs> I've, I've clearly got a lot to watch but i feel like i've only ever seen clips of the hobbit one which seems like a pretty interesting animation just for what it, it all put together yeah the way they i think and i'm gonna you know i'm gonna put it out there peter jackson take some notes the hobbit can be a single film the wow. hobbit can be you can get you can get everybody in there. You can get the wood elves in there. You can get the spiders in there. You can get all the bat like Battle of the Five Armies. You can get it all into one nice viewing experience with songs. <laughs> yeah, we're, and that's great. <laughs> Take notes, like I and I maybe I feel like because again, The Hobbit was like definitely like the biggest one from when I was younger. We had the VHS. We had the record with a little book that you could follow along with the record. It was like, that was like my introduction to The Hobbit. And then I saw the Peter Jackson movies. And I was like, they're just dragging this out. <laughs> Are you like, saying that the Bankin, or Bankin, the Rankin Bass version didn't have uh, Legolas jumping over rooftops while other people are trying to shoot smog with a bow and arrow? <laughs> yeah, none of that nonsense. There wasn't like a, there wasn't like a barrel action battles like none of that they got in the barrels they rolled down the river case closed (laughs) it was was fine (laughs) like and i'm not a i'm not a tolkien like literature purist by any means so if folks get upset you know i'm just i'm here to defend the cartoon (laughs) i think it's excellent i think the songs are arguably some of the most catchy uh it's goofy. It's quotable. It's a little creepy. Definitely. Yeah. Does Gandalf get to sing in this? Oh no, I don't. I don't think he. I don't think Gandalf gets a song. It's more so like like the dwarves get their song, and then after that, it's like just sort of like voices. Mm-hmm. It's very John <laughs> like, Denvery with like a Middle Ages yeah. twist to it, like. They'll just like have a scene of uh, Bilbo smoking his pipe, and then guitar will start playing, and like great has adventure. <laughs> yeah, they'd sing great. I think three has kind of or three. Return of the King has more of like musical style songs where like the orcs are singing like when there's oh a whip, gosh. there's a ways. <laughs> or there's a <laughs> There's a yeah real- the orcs get a full musical number again peter jackson take note like <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah he uh, bring in music in the like hobbit movies but be slow and sad i want some bops like you know frodo yeah. of the nine fingers and the ring <laughs> of doom, doom. <sighs> it's just 
And maybe that's because I'm also just like a musical theater kid. So I really enjoy the cartoons and the movies are lovely. They really are. But the cartoons just there's you get the story, but you get a little song and dance in there. And I, I enjoy that. I could appreciate that. I feel like maybe there's there's opportunity to turn these into a, a stage Broadway musical or something like that. You have Lord of the Rings or in The Hobbit. It'll be like the Cursed Child Part One and Two. You get one on each night. My school did The Hobbit as a play. Really? My high school with did. songs. I don't know if they did songs. I didn't see it. I just remember seeing the poster for it, and I was like, "That's cool." They did The Hobbit. That's still legit. <laughs> So, uh, this animation studio, Topcraft, would later animate a, a little-known feature by a little-known artist named Hizaki, which was called Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. And it was shortly after that that the studio, Topcraft, went bankrupt in 1985, and the animation crew split into two separate studios. One was this uh, other kind of very little-known studio called Studio Ghibli, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that that maybe uh, took a couple people from this Nausicaa movie. And the other was called Pacific Animation Corporation, which would continue working with Rankin and Bass uh, into the 80s on this uh, also kind of lesser known cartoon called Thundercats. <laughs> Are you, were you guys Thundercats fans back in the day? Oh, gosh. Thundercats was definitely like the show that my dad would be like, you got to watch this Mia. <laughs> and, you know, he'd sit me down and I would get through like the intro. Cause it was catchy. And then like my attention span would just be like, whoosh. <laughs> thunder, <laughs> thunder, 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 I haven't had a chance to really sit with Thundercats personally. I don't remember a damn thing about it other than the theme song and the action figures <laughs> and the hair, the hair. Oh, the hair. Oh. Is there a little cat character? That's like snarf snarf. That sounds very familiar. That sounds right, but I don't want to confirm it blindly. <laughs> yes. Cause they'll come after you. If you confirm that, Tom. Yeah. They're going to be like, how did you know about snarf? Yeah. Snarf <laughs> is definitely in Thundercats. The, this cat the, yep <laughs> he is a good boy for sure uh so that thundercats was kind of one of the last things rankin and bass did i mean i don't know much about thundercats it sounds like it's a lot of like anthropomorphic cats that uh fight like i don't know just evil <laughs> It looked like He-Man, but, like, with cat people. Like, if you took Andrew Lloyd Webber's cats and then put it, like, in a He-Man skin. like That is a very apt description, I feel like. I don't know if it has the same plot, though, because I feel like cats doesn't actually have much of a plot itself. Whether they're going to the cat ball or something like that. They're all competing for a chance to die. Oh, well, that's dark. <laughs> like, they're all just, like, introducing themselves and then competing for a chance to die. Wow. And go to the heavy side layer. It's it's a romp. Okay, it doesn't sound like it's good of a time. <laughs> I suppose that's very on par. Andrew Lloyd Webber's work always kind of has some subtle tones, but yeah, yeah. Thundercats, cat-like humanoid aliens from the planet Thundera, 
And when the dying planet meets its end, the group known as the Thundercats forced to flee its homeland <laughs> while leaving in their thunder fleet. <laughs> Everything's thunder related for these people. Um, they're attacked by mutants. Ah, I see. So then they're fighting mutants the whole time. Very interesting. They become natives of the third earth, not the first or the second. The third. Hmm. So after Thundercats ended, that was kind of the end of Rankin Bass because then that studio that they were working with, Pacific Animation Corporation, was purchased by Disney and became Walt Disney Animation Japan. And following that, uh, the conclusion, Rankin Bass would essentially shut down in 1987. And they would kind of occasionally work with uh, this place called Morgan Creek Entertainment. They made that animated adaptation of the Kenny and I in 1999, but then Rankin Bass shut down his production company on December 18th, 2000, officially official. But lots of shows, movies that they left us with for, for years and people still watching their stuff today. Right. The King and I, I remember coming out and was going to be like a big, like kind of go against Disney. Like here's another rival animation thing. And that thing just, did not hit and did terrible. And like, that was kind of the nail in the coffin for Rankin Bass. Yeah. Well, I think they, they even said it's loosely based on the Rogers and Hammerstein's musical. And it's like, if you don't have the music that people are kind of expecting with the King and I, then I feel like you're, you're kind of letting people down a bit, but, but yeah, there's a, there's a number of other specials and films and shows that we didn't get time to cover. I think we talked a little bit about like the Easter bunnies coming to town. All these things had sequels. Like there was frosty, like Rudolph and Frosty's Christmas in July, which I had the joy of catching on TV like a year ago. And that was weird as hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think uh, they also, they had quite a few shows. There was a Jackson five adaptation, which sounds really trippy. But yeah, I think their their legacy lives on. But you know, was there any coulda woulda shouldas that you guys would have put out there for Rankin Bass that you kind of wish that maybe they had had a chance to produce, or you know, if they could do a revival, what would you like to see them do? I three things came to mind. One more weird fantasy shit. Mm. So more like Topcraft, Last Unicorn, Hobbit, more of that. I just think it's so delightful and special. Um, I also wrote down Mad Monster Party 2, Madder Monster Parties. <laughs> just, as, just as a name idea in case they're looking for one. Uh, and then I think, if because I was trying to think what stories would be really good uh, in Animagic. And the one that came to mind was Striganona. Oh, man. That'd be a good one. Yeah. Like stop motion pasta. Like I just, I think that'd be real cool. <laughs> I would love it. Oh, didn't, wasn't there like a Curious George stop animation once upon a time? Am I making that up? Maybe. I might. It sounds like something that could be real. That'd be, that'd be a fun thing. I don't know. What about you, Fred? Any, anything that you would want to see them do if they had a chance? Uh, I thought of just two things. One, I feel they love taking like holiday characters and like making the origin stories, the movies. I mean, I'd love to get a Krampus, uh, Rankin and Bass that, you know, get a little spooky, get a little weird. Um, 
eat some kids. Uh, then I would probably say, and I don't love these guys. They kind of are, you know, always getting into shenanigans, but that those elves on the shelf are pretty big now. I think you could make a Rankin Bass elf on a shelf special where, like, I don't know, they were committing a heist at the North Pole and their uh, punishment is they have to, like, go live at people's houses and, like, mess with their stuff or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's actually, I love- yeah, I like that idea a lot. Maybe mix what- them. Get the Krampus and the elf in the shelf because <laughs> they're being bad. Like, you know, maybe we'll set Krampus on you or, you know, I don't know. The elves in the shelf are trying to give the kids a chance. Krampus is just coming to <laughs> ruin their holiday. I think one of the things I would have loved to have seen them take on, and I mean it, it kind of reminds me too of like when I was a kid, one of the specials that was brand new at the time was like Rugrats did like a Passover special and a Hanukkah special. And I would have loved to see them maybe try to take on some Jewish holidays since it was kind of that Renaissance for like Jewish entertainment, really trying to get Hanukkah as a front and center. And like, here's like, you know, a very important holiday, you know, around Christmas time. And just to see them, like, I don't even know what, uh, what song it would do, but I mean, dreidel, dreidel, dreidel. Everybody knows that. <laughs> Invent some kind of ridiculous thing, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. I love it. Yeah, that'd be good. I also, I don't know about all of you, but I definitely get sequel fatigue. For sure. Uh, yes. Like remake fatigue. So, like, ideally, not Rudolph Four. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't need. Yeah. I, it sounds like they 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 did plenty of sequels and tried to recapture the magic, and it just. It didn't happen. So I think then that might get us to our power rankings here, guys. And we wanted to maybe play with a couple things here, but I think most importantly, we got to just do a top three ranking of the best movies slash TV specials that they did. Mia, would you like to kick us off on that? I I'll do it. Here we go. I'm just pulling up my notes in third place. I have a tie. Um, I included a feature length as well. The tie is The Last Unicorn in The Year Without a Santa Claus. Um, and Year Without a Santa Claus is the only Christmassy thing that I have in my ranking. Uh, those two, again, very different specials, uh, but both like are deeply nostalgic for me. In second place, uh, Mad Monster Party. Nice. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, it's just such a time. It's just such a time. Uh, and in first place, I have a bit of a another tie, The Hobbit and The Return of the King. Wow. Nice. Yes. And I, I know I came into this uh, a very big fan of stop motion animation. Um, and I, I wasn't quite expecting my list to look like this, but here we are. Didn't pick a um, single one. <laughs> like two in there or one and a half. Oh, I suppose one and a half. Yes. Yeah, but yeah, those specials just like were such a big part of my like my early years, uh, and I definitely did a nostalgia pick. That's great. No, those are awesome picks. I'm excited to check out the the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings one. It's been full this time. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, all three. A nice bakshi sandwich think that one's got to be in there too what have you got yeah. fred where, where do those fall for you um 
I would say I'm just going to say the last unicorn would be my fourth scrape in the top three, but I'll keep the top three holiday because, you know, I love the holidays. I love these Christmas specials. So um, I'm going to go number three, the Frosty, the snowman. I love the look of that animation. I kind of wish Mm -hmm. we got more holiday animated stuff that looked like that. It was very unique. I loved kind of the big blocky faces. I love how dumb the snowman is. He's funny. He (laughs) says happy birthday and it's not his birthday. Maybe it is because he came to life. So technically, I don't know. That could be his birthday. Uh, Number two, I'll go with Rudolph. It's just like a classic. Yukon Cornelius is hot. Um, The (laughs) fairy. Uh, Herbie doesn't want to make toys. Uh, number one, I'm going to go with a year without a Santa Claus. Um, we just, that rolled so many that, you know, we played that one so much at our house. I love Jingle and Jangle. I love like Mickey Rourke. I'm too tired for Christmas this year. I just love that voice. He reminds me of my grandfather a lot in that role because sure. he calls his wife mother, which was really like a grandparents thing. Like, what are you up to mother? You know, <laughs> like, Though it like Mrs. Claus and Claus remind me so much of my grandparents in a year without a Santa Claus. Um, and I love the scene when they're sitting at the table. This is like where you get the feels and the kids like, I don't believe in Christmas. That's lame. And Santa Claus sings this song and he's like telling him, he's like, I like Christmas. Christmas is good. And then it like plays. And then all of a sudden the dad starts singing and he's like, I believe in Santa Claus. And then the kid starts crying. It's a good moment. And I like that. And I like when the mayor sings like, it's going to snow down here in Dixie. <laughs> uh, that's my top three. Guess that good music in that one. I I like it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll go quick because I, I have not seen as many as I thought I did. Uh, but number three for me is going to be The Year Without a Santa Claus. I'll always love the the miser song. I'm Mr. White Christmas. I'm Mr. Snow. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's just a classic for all the, the reasons Fred just gave there. And I love the little story about your grandparents reminding you of Santa Claus. <laughs> this is Claus. It's just, uh, I don't know. It, it's got emotional beats that I think still, still resonate. Uh, number two, I'll go with Rudolph. Just because I think the music is just a banging soundtrack. It's something that you can still hum even today. There's just so many different songs, even just the, the titular song of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. It's like you guys said, all kids know it. So it's just it's it's just a classic. Great, great stories. Great, very quotable. Ready, Rudolph? Ready, Santa. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, number one, I mean, I kind of mentioned it before, Santa Claus is coming to town. It just was one that resonated with me for whatever reason. I don't know that it like necessarily aged is like my favorite just because, but I like, but I think I have the most nostalgia tied to it and just remembering so much. And I don't know. I kind of, I kind of love that now that I'm older, I realize that Santa just got free because Burgermeister fucking died. And like, that's <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just it's it's such a ridiculous story but i I don't know i still just love the beats the animation makes me feel good so that's me uh and i think that gets us to the end of our episode but uh before we let you go mia is there anything you would like to plug Ooh, sure uh 
I'm one of the directors of community and culture over at the Interchange Theater. Um, I'm part of some house teams there. Uh, we would love to see folks out in the audience uh, checking out uh, the home for long form improv in Milwaukee. Um, also following uh, Sports Bra Comedy and Stein Improv on Instagram. Those are my two uh, indie teams that I'm a part of. Uh, and yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us this week, Mia. We really appreciate you being on. You guys can check out the interchangetheater.com for more information on some of those teams. And yeah, obviously check out uh, Stein Improv and Sports Bra over on uh, their social channels. I was just going to say, we're collecting members of Sports Bra like one by one. We had Renee on last you know, episode, and now we've had Mia on, and we've had Shannon on in the past. Yeah, I know. Like I said, it's a it's a murderous row that we've got going here. <laughs> Do you have anything you would like to plug, though, Fred? Uh, I'm just going to plug that everyone should have a great rest of their holiday. I know we'll be dropping this right after uh, the 25th, but we're going into the new year. Good luck with everyone's uh, New Year's resolutions, and thank you for listening to the podcast. Just go check out some of the past episodes if you've missed one, you know, and uh, have a great holiday. That's all I got to say. Thank you so much, Tom, for making this happen every other week. Oh, you're it's my pleasure, Fred. You, you make it easy to, to do this show. And, yeah, I mean, those are great sentiments. I'm obviously just going to plug the pod here quick. If you want to rate and review us we would definitely appreciate that those will go a long way you can find us on facebook twitter slash x instagram uh threads and youtube if you want to learn more information about us or find more resources leave us a one-time tip you can go to our link tree that's in our bio in this episode description i'll echo your sentiments as well though fred i hope you all have a great rest of your holiday break or holidays that are going on here and we'll see you in 2024 goodbye